already been a blessing to be in the Lord's house tonight. And I want to be a help to you this evening. And uh, last time we were here, um, we talked about um, God dealing with us and uh, those delays uh, in our life, those detours, if you will, concerning the children of Israel. And uh, I want to give you something else concerning uh, something along those lines this evening. If you would, go to Jeremiah chapter number 45. Jeremiah chapter number 45. And um, we dealt last time with God's design in detours. Uh, but tonight I want to deal with God's design in deflation. Deflation, dealing with our personal pride this evening. Jeremiah chapter number 45. And if you would, let's stand together. And uh, we'll read those five verses in that chapter, Jeremiah chapter number 45. And um, I want to be as brief as we can, but we do want to deliver the, the message that the Lord's put on our heart tonight. Jeremiah chapter number 45, and uh, let's look there in verse number 1. Jeremiah 45 and verse number 1. The Bible says, The word that Jeremiah the prophet spake unto Baruch the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book at the mouth of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto thee, O Baruch, thou didst say, Woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Well, that's encouraging, isn't it? Verse number 4, Thus shalt thou say unto him, The Lord saith thus, Behold, that which I have built will I break down, and that which I have planted I will pluck up, even this whole land. And seekest thou great things for thyself, seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord, but thy life will I give unto thee for a prey. In all places, whither thou goest. You can be seated tonight. Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the reminders of that in song. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you would help us tonight. God, we know where we stand. We know who we are. Lord, we know that you know us better than we know ourselves. And Lord, I ask you, God, that you would forgive me, God, where I've sinned against you. Lord, where I've failed you, God, where I've fallen short of your glory. And I ask you, Lord, that you'd cleanse me and help me. I pray, Lord, that you would use this, Lord, as your vessel tonight. Use us as your mouthpiece, Lord. And for that to happen, Lord, we know that we need your power. And so I pray that you would touch us. And, Lord, that you would help us this evening. I pray, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear, a heart to receive the word of God tonight. And I pray that you would help us, dear Lord. pray that you would draw us closer to yourself. And, Lord, I pray that we would be less like ourselves and more like Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would work that in us until you come. Lord, you promised to do that. And so we trust and we know that you'll do it. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us, God, in that process, Lord, to be uh, clay in your hands. Lord, that we would be submissive. And God, that we would submit ourselves to you. And Lord, that we would be pliable, Lord, in your ways and your will. And God, we'll thank you, Lord, for all that you do. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, Father. We ask it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. When we come to Jeremiah chapter number 45 tonight, this I know is an obscure 
uh, passage of Scripture, and maybe many of us have read over this and kind of glossed over it and not really thought much about what was going on in the chapter. But what we have before us is Jeremiah chapter number 45 and contained uh, in the chapters ahead of us, uh, God deals with His judgment and His announcement of the, that judgment to the nations of the world. And that would include Babylon, that would include Egypt, that would include Moab. But I want you to understand that it also includes the people of God here in the kingdom of Judah. And as we deal with this message as a whole, we find out here in chapter number 45 that God, while He is dealing with seemingly the world at this time, He's dealing with these nations, He zeroes in and He begins to deal specifically with the nation of Judah. But then God kind of zooms in even further. And though He's dealing with the nations of the world, and even though He is particularly dealing here uh, with Judah, He zeroes in on one individual, and He has a message for him tonight. And I'm glad that as God uh, has a word, and He has 66 books, and thank God the whole world can prosper from the word of God, and the church has a whole benefits from the word of God I'm glad tonight that God has something that he desires to say to you and say to me individualistically tonight God wants to deal with us personally and God desires to work in our heart and life as individuals tonight amen this message is designed to enlighten Baruch it is uh, designed to rebuke and then it is designed to encourage him and can I say Say this tonight that God sometimes has to hurt us in order to help us. He must break us in order to bless us. And God oftentimes uses the circumstances that we look around and see in our life uh, to knock the pride out of us and deflate. Us. Much like we said last week, sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances that are less than favorable. Things are not really going the way that we thought that they would. And we look as a nation as they wandered through the wilderness and they felt that way. But now tonight we look at one individual man as he begins to question things. But I'm glad that God has a message for him just as God had a message for the children of Israel. God has a message for His servant here in the Word of God tonight. God is desiring to uh, break Him down and uh, deflate Him and get the prideful attitudes out of Him. Maybe He had become a little bit arrogant. Maybe He had begun to rely upon Himself a little bit too much. And we'll look at that here in just a few moments. But I'm reminded of some characters in the Word of God. I remember King Saul and what the prophet Samuel told him that he was far better off when he was little in his own sight. You remember John the Baptist, that great preacher, that great man of God, Jesus himself even said that there was none men greater born of a woman than that of John the Baptist. But John the Baptist knew and he understood that his ministry was coming to a close and the Lord Jesus Christ was coming upon the scene and in order for people to see the Lord Jesus, John had 
had to get real small. Amen. Uh, there had to be a deflation of his personality in order for God to show up. And the Bible still says tonight that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And God works these things in our life to get us out of us that Christ may reign supreme in our heart and our life tonight. We look at God's design in deflation. God was letting the air out of His servant here. We're going to discuss who this man was and what he did tonight. But whenever we think about God deflating him or God taking the pride out of this individual, number one, I want you to see this tonight, that we find this man by the name of Baruch, we find him discouraged. Look with me in verse number one. Again, the Bible said the word that Jeremiah the prophet spake unto Baruch the son of Neriah when he had written these words in a book at the mouth of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim the son of Josiah king of Judah. Say, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel unto thee O Baruch, thou didst say, Woe is me now. For the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing and I find no rest. In verse number 3, we find tonight the words of a man who is discouraged. We find the words of a man who is displeased tonight. He's ready to give up, and he's ready to throw in the towel. Now, who was this individual? He was Jeremiah's assistant pastor, if we could put it like that. He was his helper. He was his friend. He was a faithful herald of the Word of God himself. But more importantly than that is he was Jeremiah's scribe. God spoke to Jeremiah, that verbal plenary inspiration. God spoke to his prophet and Baruch wrote it down. Amen. Uh, the word of God that we have before us was pinned down by this man that we're talking about tonight. He was faithful to record Jeremiah's messages and to read them and recite them before the people of God. At one point Baruch was accused of inciting Jeremiah against the people. He was even uh, he was even accused of military campaigns inciting them against Jerusalem. But even though the people of God uh, had some bad things to say about him, he was faithful in the midst of difficulty. He was faithful in the midst of discouragement. And here Baruch is. He's familiar with God's messages to the nations. But it seems like here in this moment that everything comes crashing down. There becomes a realization in the heart and mind of this man named Baruch. Here we are. We've spent 22 years writing down the Word of God. We've spent 22 years following around God's prophet. And it's woe here and woe there. And judgment's coming. And it seems to come in like a flood. And there's a realization on the part of Baruch. Hey, everything around me is going to be destroyed. God's talking about his judgment falling upon a world that I'm living in the places that I'm walking and the places that I'm going and the places that I experience life every day they're going to experience the judgment of God and it seems as if the truth becomes real to him all in an instance and that the world he lived in was bound for judgment and it was bound for destruction both the temple and the city and everything that they held dear to their hearts was to be destroyed. 
Not just in the present tense, but in the future tense. God was speaking prophetically, but God was also speaking practically to His servant tonight. And He cries out in verse number 3. He said, Woe is me now. Now you can draw the conclusion and draw the comparison for yourself. But if you read through Jeremiah and you read through Ezekiel and you read through these prophets of God here in the Old Testament, it's easy to take the application and apply to America today. Jeremiah and Ezekiel saw and they looked and they found sin on every hand. Every household, every family, every stitch of society had been affected by sin. And here Baruch is. He looks around at the world around him and he finds himself discouraged. You know this as well as I do tonight. As a child of God, if you get your eyes on this world, brother, the crazy and the mixed up things that are taking place in this world uh, even in our communities uh, and even in our states uh, and even locally where we live uh, brother if we get our eyes on it too much uh, we will become discouraged tonight and it's easy to and rightfully so because when we look at people that cannot decide what they are They don't know. I have no problem tonight telling you what and who I am. But they've lost their mind. They have no idea who they are. Brother, there's wickedness and there is perversion upon every hand. And the generation that is coming up, it's easily accessible more than it's ever been tonight. And the world that we're living in is in a mess. And if we get our eyes on it tonight, there's no doubt with that. It's a fact that we will become discouraged tonight. We look at the world around us. And here's what we realize. Especially as a child of God. We realize that the world that we're living in is bound for judgment. Everything that we know. Everything that touches the fabric of our life. The house we're living in. The community that we live in. Some of the people that we know who are unsaved on the job or at the schoolhouse or out in our daily business, what have you tonight, we know and we understand that this world is headed for judgment tonight. And Baruch looks around and he finds himself discouraged. And it's easy to become discouraged. There's not even a lot of things sometimes that have to happen for you and I to feel discouraged. And if we were to end right here, boy, this would be a a sad commentary on the message that God has to send. But I'm glad there's hope tonight. As Baruch finds himself discouraged, here is what we find tonight. We not only find him discouraged, but God hears his cry. God sees the discouragement. God sees and hears the displeasure in his voice. And God speaks up and he has something to say. Look what he said in verse number 2. He said, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto thee, O Baruch, thou did say, Woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sight, and I find no rest. God heard these words. But he says in verse number 4, he said, Thus thou shalt say unto him, The Lord saith thus, Behold, that which I built I will break down. 
And that which I have planted, I will pluck up even this whole land. Now here Baruch is, he's discouraged. And maybe he's wanting some word for the Lord, but it's going to lift up his spirits and it's going to excite him and it's going to energize him and give him exactly what he needs. And here he is and he says, Woe is me, but what does God say in verse number 4? It's like it goes from bad to worse. There is no message of inspiration. There is no uh, be still and know that I am God verse. There is no trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. There's nothing like that. But what does God do tonight? Baruch acknowledges what God has said. Baruch acknowledges that the judgment is coming. And in verse number 4, here's what we find. God repeats Himself. How, is he, how does God deal with the discouragement of His servant? He repeats Himself. What does He do? He directs Him back to His Word. Sometimes we want to hear something different. Sometimes we know what the truth is and we know what the reality is in our life and our current situation and we want God to give us some word that's refreshing to us and some word that encourages us and there definitely are times that God does this but that's not the case in chapter number 45 of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 1 and verse number 10 God called Jeremiah And he told him why he was calling him. Here's what he said. He said, see, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. The very first message that God gave Jeremiah and those that were around him, it was not a message of encouragement. It was not a message of of lifting up the Spirit, but it was a message of coming destruction and it was a message of coming judgment. And here 22 years later, as this scripture has written down the message of the Word of God. The message is still the same. And you say, how is that supposed to encourage me? How am I supposed to draw strength from that tonight? Because here's the message. God's Word never changes. And what God said then is still what God says now. And yeah, Baruch. And yeah, Jeremiah. Things are going to get real bad. Oh, but I'm glad there's a day and an hour that even though judgment's coming, I'm glad there's going to be a kingdom that's going to be set up and there's a Messiah that's going to sit on the throne of David and everything looks bad right now but thank God God is going to make everything alright one day. You look at the world and it looks bad. You wake up tomorrow and guess what? It's still going to look bad. 50 years from now If Jesus has not come, the world's not only going to look bad, but the world is going to look worse. We're not to hope for some post-millennial utopian society. Things are not going to get better. If we could just get the gospel to the whole world. Listen, friend, there's still going to be a crowd that rejects our Savior It's not going to fix everything. 
There's still going to be a crowd that denies Him. And there's still going to be a crowd that's evil. And they're still living for their own desires. Oh, but listen to me. What we have to realize is what in the grand scheme of things, the message is bigger than what we are. God was instructing this man and God was encouraging this man to put his own personal feelings aside and, and to realize that the messenger was not the focus. But the message was tonight. Amen. He must realize that the times of the Gentiles that are to come, they will end in judgment. And to further burst the bubble, look at what God says in verse number 5. He said, And seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord. But thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. God heard Baruch's words, but more importantly than that, God knew Baruch's thoughts. And God revealed his motives this evening. See, Baruch had fallen prey to a desire for great things. It's possible that he thought there might be some great reward of prominence and position in the new kingdom for himself. This reminds us tonight of James and John desiring a position at the right hand and left hand of the Lord Jesus Christ on his throne. But listen to me tonight. Baruch's sin did not necessarily lie in the desire for great things but great things for himself. He was seeking great things not for the glory of God, but rather for self-gratification and self-glorification. He had gotten comfortable in the ministry tonight. He had gotten comfortable in the service of God. And I think maybe he thought that everything was supposed to be a smooth ride. And everything was supposed to be wonderful. But listen, I've got bad news tonight. Just because you and I are serving Jesus, our family, and our loved ones, and those that we work with, they're not going to be standing waiting to give us an applause because we're serving God. Listen, Jesus said that oftentimes it would be a rough road ahead for you and I. It's still a narrow way. That broad way, the world's way, still leads to destruction. But God has called us to walk upon a narrow way. We're reminded of what Jesus said. He uttered these words. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Nothing wrong with wanting things. Nothing wrong with having things. Nothing wrong with desiring things. We, we need things to live in this present world. We have things that we have in our possession that we like to have. And we get enjoyment out of those. And really I think that's one of the graces of life that God gives to us. We're allowed to, allowed to enjoy things in this life. And there, you've heard it been said, there's nothing wrong with having things as long as things don't have you therein lies the problem 
And so God speaks this message that maybe he thought would be different. Maybe he thought it would be a word of encouragement, but it was the same word that he had heard before. But then notice this tonight, not only do we see Baruch's direction. Look with me again in verse number 5. He said, and seekest thou great things for thyself, seek them not. Behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord, but thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all the places whither thou goest. Baruch had failed to apply the message of the word of God to himself. Can I just confess something to you tonight? Sometimes as a preacher, that's easy to do. Amen. It's easy to do. It's easy to get a message and it's easy to to lay it out and and prepare in your heart and your mind about how you're going to preach it. But if we're not careful tonight, we'll get so used to that that mechanics of it and we'll forget about the self-application tonight and we'll forget to allow the Word of God to go through us and we'll forget to allow the message that God has to preach to us and preach it to ourselves long before we ever give it to the congregation. He failed to apply the message to himself. All the while, while Baruch was busy giving prophecy, he forgot to put himself in it. He forgot to insert himself into what was happening and what was going to happen. There was repetition. God spoke again. There was reproof. And now there would come reward. In the midst of judgment, Baruch had a way out. In the midst of that darkness, there was a light that was now shining. In wrath, God would remember mercy. God's course of judgment for the world could not and would not be altered. But in the midst of that judgment, thank God there was mercy. And in the midst of a coming judgment... Thank God for the grace of God tonight, amen. I'm glad tonight that I've gotten on the ark of safety, amen. I'm glad that when God said come on to the ark, I'm glad he didn't say go into the ark, but he said come on, amen. And thank God I've been abiding with him ever since and Christ is in me and I'm in him. And as we look around at this world, we know that it's sunk, we know that it's swiftly failing and it's faltering and it's going down. But I'm glad, thank God, that those that belong to him one of these days we're going up amen I may go by the way of the grave or I may go by the way of the trumpet sound but either way I'm going to bid goodbye to this world and I'm going to a better country not because of who I am not because of what I've done but it's everything because of what he promised tonight amen just as he said that this world would wax worse and worse And this world was headed for judgment. Thank God tonight we're headed for a better land. What does God call upon us to do while we're here? While we seek His coming. While we're conscious of the depravity and the destruction that is to come upon this world. God calls upon us tonight to renounce any selfish pursuit of wealth, wisdom, position, or power. 
He rebukes those who set their sights upon things of time and earth. To those who will seek first the kingdom of God, He gives the promise of a future reward. There are Christian workers tonight who use their Christian work as a means to an end. And that end is a selfish one. There are those who want to be known for their zeal, their knowledge, their sacrifice, their years of service, or even for their influence. There are those who want to be known as great Christians or great preachers. And it is those who need to hear these words tonight. Seek great things for thyself. Seek them not. There was a man by the name of von Zinzendorf. He was a bishop in the Moravian Presbyterian Church. And he's known for this famous quote. He said, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. What we have is a quote from a man who really believed that the message was bigger than the messenger. Amen. And long after I'm dead, and long after they lower my body into the ground, thank God the message of the gospel will go on and go on and go on. And I'm glad, thank God, there in the book of the Revelation, that angel's going to fly around and he'll preach that everlasting gospel. And the everlasting gospel is this. It's that Jesus Christ died and was buried and rose again and that's the hope for this world and that's the hope for the world that is to come amen those Moravian Presbyterians had a prayer that they would often recite and it said this it said from the, ha- from the unhappy desire of becoming great from the unhappy desire of becoming great Gracious Lord and God, preserve us. Boy, we're living in days where everybody wants to be great. Everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be heard. Understand something tonight. You're not as important as you think you are. I'm not as important as I think I am. I'm flesh and blood. God knoweth our frame, and He remembereth that we are but dust. I don't ever want to get the attitude in the church or in the Christian world that I'm irreplaceable, that I'm untouchable. Because each and every one of us, God could and God should replace us because we're nothing tonight. This man looked and he saw opportunity. God had to knock the pride out of him. God had to deflate him. God had to rearrange his view and help him to understand that the most important thing was not the messenger, but the most important thing tonight is the message. We do what we do tonight for the sake of the gospel. We give to the mission offering for the sake of the gospel. We preach tonight for the sake of the gospel. We labor and we work and we do and we worship for the sake of the gospel of the gospel tonight. Amen. Let's stand together as they come with a song this evening. The Lord spoke into your heart tonight. Would you come? Would you mind Him tonight? Maybe you look around at this world and you're discouraged. Rightfully so. But I'm glad tonight that there is a God in heaven. 
who has a gospel, who has a word, who has a work that needs to be accomplished. And that's so much bigger than we are tonight. Amen. Would to God we'd realize that as they play, as they may be seen tonight. Would you come? Would you mind?